I did it again. I did the mute trick. So, hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of DeFi Discussions. Uh, I'm Shizzy L, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, uh, Niblets. How's it going on, Niblets? How, how was your week? Good, Shizzy. It was, uh, it was a fine uh, it was a fine week. It, it, was, it wasn't such a bad week. Actually, no, I take that back. We're going off a little tangent here. So, uh, <laughs> I've got, a, uh, I've got, I've got a, a small claims court case happening because uh, a few years ago, I got in a bike accident, and I broke my collarbone. Um, so one of the defendants that I've got is the city because the city, I won't go into the details about it, but the, the, the city did some things at the spot of the accident that increased the risk of cycling accidents. So anyway, I named them. Um, anyway, so they, um, they responded late. Um, and so when you respond late, you're supposed to, you know, the plaintiff's supposed to be able to file for a default judgment and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, as it turns out, the city gets a lot of, so I had to go into a preliminary court case to argue the fact that my position was the city was late. City said, well, that's too bad. We're the city. We can be late if we want. And the judge was like, yeah, the city can be as late as they want with stuff. So um, Frustrating. It, was Frustrating. it was an interesting experience. I'd never actually, so I'd been in what what are, are sort of called um, like tribunals, like small court tribunals which basically you don't go in front of a judge you go in front yeah. of uh, an attorney and you just sort of sit around it's like a, a few people just sit around a table and hash things out this was my first time in an actual court and so when i went i didn't realize i thought it was gonna be like the other ones i had been to but no this one i went to it was like like we see on tv right there's the court and there's the benches and there's lawyers and suits everywhere and dudes with weird wigs and um, <laughs> was it from the 1700s oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally just like and it was um no i totally lost the argument i i was i was yeah. shattered and my presentation was terrible because yeah. i was totally thrown off by i was un, i was not expecting the environment that i got so anyway, i'm super glad this happened because now when we go in for like the real argument now I'm going to be at least better prepared. I won't be a surprise and I shouldn't be so thrown off my game. But anyway, so it was yeah. an interesting, it was an interesting time on earlier this week when I went to go do this because I, I learned a whole bunch. A friend of mine said he, he so he's like, so it was sort of like going to a job interview for that job you don't really care about before you go to the job interview for the job you really do care about. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> the the, the pre-interview. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like I, like, like I crashed and burned in a case that didn't matter at all. And, and yes. I'm really glad that happened. Anyway, it was super interesting. So that's how my week went. I, I, I went to, uh, I went to court and it was, so uh, what, what would you do differently? Um, you know what, honestly, I would, I would stick to my script. So I had my argument right. laid out on paper in front of me, but because yeah. I was so off balance and the judge started by asking me a question that I just sort of answered, like, as if I'm talking to you now, it totally destroyed. Gotcha. And it, so she was already making the decision as I was speaking, which meant my carefully laid out argument, which wouldn't have worked anyway. It, it okay. really wouldn't have worked. Okay. Anyway. Um, but my carefully laid out argument, it, it just it just it just sort of evaporated as she was interacting with me, just gotcha. because I wasn't I should have just made the script, stick to the script and then have discussions after the script, but get the points out right away. So when a lesson learned, and I'm glad I, I'm glad I learned that lesson where it didn't matter and where I was, I was going to lose anyway, because there's actually a yeah. law in the books that says the city can be as late as they want. So the judge was like, Hey, sorry, it's just the way yeah. it goes. 
So it's no fair, man. It's the, yeah, it's the totally system. True. System's against you. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I, I I went through that, and now I'm I'm better prepared. And it's funny. Yeah. It's funny when I was going through it. I was like, you know what? Everybody, everybody should have to argue a small claims court case uh, at some point in their life to understand how the mechanism works. To understand, you know, what kind of an argument the other side's going to give, and what kind they can give. Anyway, it's just an interesting. It's just an inter interesting experience that. Uh, um, I still hope I win, but you know, it's yeah. still, still a good experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have anything interesting going on this week. Just, you know, just work. And so, uh, crypto was, um, smack in the face, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, you tell me, there, was, there were a few tears over, over your bags this week. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, not, I wouldn't say tears, but my happiness definitely hit, hit the wall. And, uh, I should have sold more. I did do something. So I, in 2021, I think I told you every time I took profits, I took it in Bitcoin. So I'm now I'm finally taking some profits in cash. And I took profits in uh, obviously Aptos was the one we talked about before. Yeah. And then I, towards the end there, like render popped over two dollars, and I got I got in under a dollar. So I, I took some profits on that. I took profits on. I, I did really good. I took profits on Equal equalizer which is a, a, a dap on on phantom it's kind of a solidly fork and um i got in that around three dollars and i sold around uh, i think i think like like 13. So small bag have, nothing crazy but small yeah, bag. Yeah. so do you have like a threshold like when you're so when you're looking because i know you have and we just discussed you yeah. know how yeah. many tokens you're in so when you when you look at that enormous playing yeah. field like, how do you pick which ones you're going to take profit on? Like, are they the ones that meet like a certain, you know, X threshold? Like this one's gone up seven X. So I'm going to look at this. Or is it sort of like, I think this one's going to crash because I know it's, you know, it's a flash in the pan. So I, I need to get out while I can. Like, what's your rationale for picking which ones? So to, to put a little bit of reference behind it. So back in, in um, January, I, I sold, um, uh, I sold some Bitcoin and I was like, okay, I really feel like, this, this year is going to be a really good year. I, I just felt it. I just got an ass kicked all year. I just felt like inflation was dying down. I felt like when I was going to the sh when I was going to like going shopping that the prices in the stores were really dropping. So I was uh, I took I took a I took some on Bitcoin uh, a, a nice portion of it and I broke that down and I didn't want to just go into any coin. So I I just I just kind of went into every coin. I created my own index fund. Of right. coins that I, I, I would feel so th the way I picked them was I felt which coins would I be like, damn, you missed that, you jackass, you missed that, you you did so much research into that coin and you missed it. So I went into those type of coins and then I went into some other coins where I just couldn't pick a winner, so I just bought them all. <laughs> but like small bags, like smaller yeah, yeah. than I would, like like kind of like one percent or two percent of my portfolio style. It's where if it went to zero, there's something else that would go would sure. take that two percent so yeah, yeah. I, like i did that a lot with um with uh cosmos and i kind of couldn't pick a winner there so i kind of picked them all which is uh injective kava um juno uh stargaze um atom the atom token uh the mars protocol and then and same thing in moonbeam i'm um, not moonbeam in the polka dots the, the polka dot ecosystem so I, I got a bigger bag of moonbeam because i really i really i think that's one of my favorites but then I also went into Astar and Parallel, and basically like and any one of those those uh, those chains that I, I could find, and I, I actually I, I forced myself to use them. I want to adapt with within them, so I would put the coins on their blockchain, and I would 
I would have to force myself to use it before I invest in it. But again, I, I don't know which these are all basically layer ones on top of layer zeros. And I don't know the dApps that are coming. And I don't want to miss I don't I don't want to miss something, which I guess is 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 FOMO. But at the same time, if you break it down, you're you know, if you look back in 2021 in the bull run, everything popped together anyway. So yep, yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you didn't quite answer the question. So okay. when you're looking at your portfolio and yeah. you're trying to pick, look, I've got, I, I need to take some profit. You know, I'm worried things have run okay. up with yeah. the profit. Um, are you just taking a little bit from every one of them? Or are you taking from a subset? And if it's okay. A subset, so when, you, okay, th- finish, finish. No, no, no. I just, so if it's a subset, yeah. what's your, what's the criteria used to pick the ones you're going to take the profit from? So when, so my point of that whole thing, when, when I bought them, I um I, I bought them all for the 2024 2025 bull run. So yep. to me there was no I wasn't expecting the three weeks that we had. But again, when I originally bought them, it was for the long haul, staking them, and just, just keep it going. But I did make my I did I did make a rule if if I hit three x that I would potentially um I would start selling. So some I uh, so I I'm guessing like a three to four x I was really um flipping them like really flipping them into USDT or USDC, depending on which chain. Um, cause some, sometimes you'll get like a higher slippage for USDC than you would UST. So depending on which one was the lowest slippage from, on which blockchain. But I'm also, when I was taking profit, I was taking profit on their native chains. So again, I'm, I'm hoping to buy more in this dip with the oh, profits yeah. that I took. Gotcha, gotcha. So then, are, are you moving? Are you moving into just primarily just USDC and USDT um, as sort of like your bench, um, to waiting to come back into the game on the on on the different chains? Yes, there. It's just all to buy more of whatever I sold. So uh, USDC. yeah. So, but there there was a couple on Ethereum, um, mm-hmm. which is like CVX and um, uh, which is Convex Finance and Render. Yep. And um and manifold finance, which is another one. I did take profit in the ether with them just yep. because it was more expensive with the gas fee to go to another coin to go to yep. USDC. Yep. The gas fee was like three, four dollars to go to Ether and it was like seven to nine. So that would have been, you know, between between the three coins, that would have been an extra thirty bucks rather okay. than an extra nine. Yeah, so I, I did with, with those, I did did just take profit in, in ether. So is it are you always taking profit um to reinvest later? Like it's a temporary sort of bench out instead of like like do you ever give a skim a little off the top and put it into a more establishment like do you ever take something yeah. and put it off into into bitcoin you're you're like you know like bitcoin i know that's not long term that's probably the most stable um probably the wisest of all <laughs> so yeah a lot of the guys we listen to would probably agree yes it's it's the way to go so do you ever do you ever like siphon off some and, and put it into one of those more establishment coins so i did that all of 2021 and oh. I regretted it. Oh, really? I, yeah, only because um, Bitcoin dropped seventy five percent. And so, if I would have took that profit, because I took a lot of profit in twenty twenty one, and but I didn't take it, so it still dropped. All that profit still dropped seventy five percent. Yeah. And I feel like I don't want to make like uh, the definition of insanity is making the same mistakes over and over and not yeah. fixing them. So I didn't. I don't want to make that same mistake again. I kind of want to just um, kind of just uh make 
make different mistakes. <laughs> so if this one, if because I, I know what's going to happen, I'm going to take profit in these coins, and they're going to take a small dip, and then all going to launch, and I'm going to be sitting on USDT. But then again, that's my FOMO kicking me in the ass again. And uh, I think if Sean was here, he'd probably smack me. So, <laughs> so, so when you say it was a mistake uh, back in in 2021, yeah. do you think that the strategy was a mistake, or do you think it was just circumstance, like it was the right idea but the wrong time, or do you think no, actually? Siphoning off and putting into Bitcoin is no matter what time, it's it's not the right thing to do. So I, I did when I originally came in. I, obviously, like anyone else, when I originally came in, I got in because of Bitcoin because yeah. of they were printing too much money. It was twenty twenty. It, it was like wow, everyone's getting stimmy checks, and it really pushed me towards Bitcoin. And um, coming in, my one of the first people I listened to was um, Anthony Pompliano, and he basically said that um, Bitcoin was a, a, a hedge against inflation, and as a you know the reason why I, I got into it in the beginning. And um, it turned out not to be a hedge against inflation. Yeah. So then again, what is it? It's digital gold. So I'm going to treat it like gold and it doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like it goes down with the markets. It goes up with the markets, but it doesn't move like it does the altcoins. And I was more of a Bitcoin maxi then. And now like, I'm obviously glad I did go into Bitcoin and not stayed in the shit coins because I would have been down 99.9%. Yeah, and that would have been harder to uh, tell my uh, my wife, hey, uh, my portfolio is <laughs> not anywhere near what it used to be. But uh, but it was easier to say, like, I'm still confident Bitcoin. Bitcoin's going to go back to where it's at. So in a way, um, taking profit into Bitcoin was um, it kept me mentally stable. Yeah, but yeah. it didn't keep my, my portfolio from really making me smile every day like it should have. I know, so. Yeah, totally, totally. Because I did, uh, I did so much work in 2021 to get smacked down as far as I did last year. It was really, you know, it was really a hurt point. And then, I mean, obviously, one Bitcoin will always equal one Bitcoin, two Bitcoin will always equal two Bitcoin. And I was sitting on, you know, Bitcoin. So it really wasn't that bad. And I knew what I had. But still, that number, it it turns your stomach a little bit from nah. where it was to where, where it was. So Yeah, no, I, t I totally get it. You know, the, the flip side to that, of course, is, you know, education costs something. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, exactly. Yep. So you, you you pay for it one way or the other, and yeah. you know if you look at it like you know that pain bought you the education that's going to position you to do yeah. what you wanted that you want to do in the future. Yep. Well, then that's you know and that and that to answer your question, that is why I chose USDC and USDT this time around. Yeah, instead of Dai, for example, or is it just that those yeah. are so ubiquitous that. Um, that's just what you're, you know, it's, there's, there are other stable coins, you know, you could, yeah. from, you could use die, you could use beanstalk, like you could use beans. There's all kinds of other, yeah. but you go with USDT, USDC, just because of you ubiquity or because you believe they're. Just because I, I can send them to OKX and use them right away instead of having. So say if I, I have a USDC on, on Matic and I want to buy something on Polkadot, to me, the easiest way to do it is to send it to OKX. Yeah, and then buy it if it's not if it's not there. I'll buy something in that ecosystem and convert it out there. So I kind of use the um the, the centralized exchanges as um public restrooms, but I use them as my bridges as well. No, it's fair. I mean, like you know, we we talk you know we hear lots of conversations about you know people having problems with various bridges and swaps and the sort of complexity of swapping from this token across to this bridge yeah. to get over to this other thing, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. When be perfectly honest, you know, OKX. Um, KuCoin. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of CXs. Um, yeah. Don't you know if you're dealing in small multiples, they don't require they don't have the same AML KYC issues. Yeah. Um, and you can get in and out awfully quickly. 
You can, uh, especially with, OKX. I don't know if you ever used it, but it, it's no, it's, it, it's honestly such a so little of a headache. Um, yep. And you know when and when I look at you know a lot of the a lot of the dexes, I'm just like you know you guys aren't competing with each other. You guys are compete like for for mainstream dollars. You guys are competing with yeah bridges like coin that you know that, that, that yeah. people just move in and out of really seamlessly and plus it's yep. cheaper i mean like anyway yeah especially in ethereum token it's yeah. a lot cheaper to send it to okx than it is to uh do, no a, do a transaction on the blockchain because you're going from token to usdc to the token and you're paying two transaction fees potentially totally, totally. so yeah i mean that's like that's something the space really has to really has to deal with i mean unless yeah. you're really trying to stay completely off chain in which case like nobody really most normal people yeah. don't really need to stay completely off chain so yeah um anyway that's uh that's a, well okay x2 it's there's no kkyc so i i'm on there with just my phone number and my email address i am reporting it to taxes yeah um not to say financial voice or whatever but i do i do do the um the, i do the api apy with um the the service that i use um yeah, which yeah. is uh which one I, I use uh coin stats i think yeah 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 the, they're pretty good yeah, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, we, we had a little bit last week uh, called hygiene, um, yeah. you know, tax hygiene. Honestly, the uh, it sucks so bad. <laughs> I would say that's probably the biggest part of it is just the management of the transactions is probably yeah. a bigger pain than paying the tax liability at the end. It really is. Um, that said, though. The tax man's got a way of making that tax liability pain really hurt if you don't do it. So just for yeah, hygiene I mean, purposes, you know, keep it all above board. Like the, yeah. the couple bucks you might be able to squirrel away and hide from, yep. hide from the tax authority is just not worth yep. it. Just, you know, just, just pay and it like I, I use a lot of newer chains. So when I'm doing yeah. on these um, these tax things, they don't have them. Yeah. So it's like I got to like I just put them down on a spreadsheet and just do the best I can. Yeah, what a nightmare that is, right? Keeping track of all those transactions. Yeah. You know, what's a taxable event? What's not a taxable event? It's and, uh, and yeah. I'm an idiot. I I buy I buy all kinds of crazy shit just to hold it sometimes. <laughs> so I got like all, I got I had bought like all these NFTs with my Aptos. Yeah. My Aptos was, was you know it was airdropped and sold and yeah. bought back and put it in NFTs and then sold and it's just like oh it's a nightmare. But uh, let's get more funner stuff. <laughs> well, you might find you've got you've got a product you can sell people. You might be able to sell, uh, you know, capital capital losses to people. You can just yes open up your own business. You know, Shizzy's capital losses. <laughs> Some I got not financial advice. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No. Well, you had some you had some charts uh, you wanted to uh, you wanted to yeah, talk so about. Let's, um, so we'll go into. Uh, So we'll do a um a recap of uh Sean's um uh from DeFi lunch today. Uh Sean XBT was on there talking about um how he thinks we're going to he basically said that everything's playing out to exactly the way he saw it. And this chart we're going to his his uh his main point was that we are potentially going back down. I want to put words in his mouth, but potentially going back down to 1210k. And to me it sounds a lot like 100K and 125K. And um, so, yeah, so I don't know what, what your take on that was. What, what do you think about what, what is your recap of what he was kind of giving us today? Well, I think I think he, he kind of misinterpreted what you were saying. Like he he responded. He was like, oh, you know, like, 
you know, his point is he's not making a specific prediction call for the future, yeah. but neither were you. I mean, your, yeah. your, your point was simply that it feels like it's the mirror image of yep. what was happening last year on the positive end. It's just the mirror image on the, on the negative end. Um, and I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he, he got that um, quite. And, but I find that pretty persuasive. It, it feels a lot like the dynamics are really similar. It feels like it's very much of a, a mirror image. Now, does that mean that, you know, the next steps, the steps after that are going to um, follow that same pattern? No, not at all. Um, yeah. that, that's not the case, but um, it's, it's hard to, you know, I, I just try, I'm, I'm not even sure where to, where to go with this. Cause you know, I, I get a lot of the points about, about T I've got big problems with, with TA, yeah. but, I'm not, but, but, but not well-founded because I, I don't do it. So I don't know all the criticisms about it, but yeah. my, my, my biggest problems with, 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 the, with, with TA is it's really like flying blind. And so, and it ignores the human psychology and it ignores the fact that the TA may itself be reflecting the human psychology in the market, not the market itself. And so what I mean by that is like the, the the common knowledge problem, like I'm not going to act based on what I know. I'm going to act in the market based on what I think everybody else knows, because if I know something and nobody else agrees with that, well, then I lose. I'm wrong. Yeah. Whether I'm right or wrong, I'm still wrong. But it's kind of if, like being with the majority. Yeah. Yeah. If I understand what everybody else, if everybody else thinks inflation is going up, but I disagree with that, I could still be right. But everyone else is going to behave as if it's going to go up, which means yeah. in consequence, inflation goes up. So yeah. I'm better off dealing with what I think. So there's this whole thing about the common knowledge and everybody else is playing that same game. Everybody else is trying to figure out what everybody else thinks. And yeah. so I, I suspect TA is a little bit like that. And the reason why it can be helpful is because it can represent that common knowledge problem visually for people. So people can see what all the other people are thinking in the technical analysis. Not that it reflects what's un, what, what sort of underlying dynamics, but it's, the, it's a reflection of the common knowledge problem. And yeah. so that works until it doesn't right yeah so and when it doesn't there's no predictor in, in, in terms of when it's going to break or when it's not going to work anymore so anyway so I'm, I'm suspicious because i think it reflects human psychology and common and the common knowledge not yeah. the underlying dynamics that said though um sean's ta predicted it's almost within a dollar right i mean so you know he's he, he's tapped into something and yeah. uh, so that's that's also um pretty persuasive but like, like you said people are funny right we like symmetries right why yeah. why do we always why do we talk you know the first hundred days of a presidency well why does the, why does a hundred days matter like why not 103 like why is a hundred because yeah. we like the symmetries and we so like easy exactly and so when we see the hundred well we're, we're, we're we get within 50 you know the resistance is 15 percent of that 100k why 100k why not 107k well because 100k yeah. is a good so looking on the flip side like you did the 10k what's within 15 you know what's within the 15 percent so anyway um i I, all of this is just a bunch of word salad to say i i think i i think i think there's something in what you say she's got i think there's something a repeating pattern here just an inverse mirror pattern yeah and my biggest problem with the with the things that he said today was that um the charts saw 
um celsius the chart saw uh, terra luna the chart saw this like it, it saw ftx coming because the chart said it's going to go down and then ftx happened like oh, that's a little bit of astrology to me right like the sun and the moon connected and that's why celsius yeah. went down like yeah yeah no it's funny when he was showing the charts i, I wish we had i should have taken a screenshot and can show yeah. them um, but what, cause so I asked the question, just, you know, as a recap to remind ourselves here, I asked him where in his charts did, uh, do Terra Luna and, um, and FTX show up? Cause I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't see where those events happened and he pointed them out and sure enough, you know, there were, there were drops there, but yeah. they weren't the most significant drops and they no, were actually, yeah. they were actually couched in other drops. So if you the first one, yeah. Right. So if you didn't know that Terra Luna, you know, there's a multi-billion dollar Terra Luna collapse. Yeah. Um, you would have no idea. I mean, you, that that midpoint in that drop would just be a midpoint in a drop. So did, it, yeah. did the TA predict that? No, I don't think so. Were people responding so to the TA? Well, I, I don't know. But I did find it interesting that these catastrophes did nothing to change the overall momentum of the space, right? The yeah. momentum had been established and it was mid-momentum. Maybe they added a little gas onto the fire, but it was really mid-momentum that these catastrophes happened. And they didn't change direction of, of the, the momentum at all. They didn't seem to impact momentum at all, which I just found very interesting. It was almost like yeah. the market was going to do what it was going to do regardless of, of, the, uh, of these black swans. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the one thing that I didn't agree with, what he was saying. And... Uh, so like that the charts can just be astrology for men basically yeah you know <laughs> I, i'm with you i'm with you it's astrology it is astrology for men that said though um i suspect sean's bank account is yes i mean yeah hunt, so. so the guys yeah especially i mean it doesn't you know he i i do believe that they they see the same things so they kind of all go together yeah and that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah. But I, I do sense the same thing with the Bears. Because, I mean, Sean's been a Bear as long as I've known him. I mean, I, I just started listening to DeFi Lunch probably in, in, like, in the summer. So it was, you know, he was bearish for every good reason possible. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Which raises the que question for me, um, you know, if, you know, when you look at multiple charts for many coins, if you yeah. squint and sort of step way back, they do. They do have a similar more. The, the, the curves have a similar morphology, yeah. um, maybe to different degrees, but the morphology of the the shape of the curves are relatively similar. So the question that I have then is: Well, it can't be the case that all what five thousand coins are all in lockstep with Bitcoin. So then the question becomes: Which ones buck that trend? Which ones are not going to follow that same curve and can we do something is there something we can do to predict or see and i don't think it's in the ta because these are contrarian curves right the ta isn't going to yeah. predict its own contra its, its own contradictions so then what else do we look for what do we look for to find and to see is it is it pure chance i mean uh Nassim Taleb would say, yeah, don't be fooled by randomness. It's all randomness, guys. Yeah. Just, you know, Could it be the, the coins with the shallow left hand? Could they be the ones that kind of buck the Bitcoin? Because you really don't know what they are and, or how low they can really go. So they all share that one property, right? No matter what they do, they all share that one property that they all come out with maximum promise. Yeah. And and people, the us, 
weird human beings who are all looking for an edge, looking for looking for looking for the next thing, looking for that you know multiple yeah. order of magnitude X up. The only way yeah. you get that is by something that has a lot of promise. So, yeah. so us, so people looking for that X are obviously going to gravitate to that space. And so maybe just by that dynamic, necessarily some of them are going to pop. So maybe it is just a fruitful a more fruitful space because it has so little on the left-hand side. And that's, mm. and I'm talking myself into circles here, um, Shizzy. Um, as I'm saying these things, I'm like, yeah, I want to find out if that's the case. I want to find out if, if um, there is more that's happening there simply because it's so new and that's where people yeah. want something to happen. You go is to where new stuff is happening. Yeah. And the new stuff really took off too. I mean, yeah. Aptos and, uh, I mean, there was just so many that really Phantom, they kind of really rocketed up. But Phantom's been around a little while, which was one of the reasons. But they got Andre back, and they were one where they were one of the few ones to fall hard. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they they did like it, it. Really does follow Bitcoin pretty well. That one does, but then Aptos and stuff. Did you know, not. when I reflect on this past summer, you know, there were a number of. I was really interested in uh, in Tomb Forks. Um, I was curious Tomb about Forks. Yeah. Not that I love tomb forks, but I was interested in the dynamic of how tomb forks operate. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to see, you know, how these, how the different forks and what their differences were. How do they affect the results, and you know, how do they affect the different dynamics, the different flavors? Yeah. And while Bitcoin was stepping down, you know, every month it was dropping another, you know, ten thousand yeah. um, dollars. A number of the, you know, multi, many of the the forks that I was watching, you know, some of them just went to zero. Uh, yeah. Some of them got destroyed uh, intentionally yeah. by malicious actors. Some did 10, 15, 17x um, in yeah. a couple months. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are those contradictions um, to the space. Now, how do you find them? And I tried to then guess, you know, what did anything characterize the ones that did the, the 15x, the 10x versus yeah. the other ones? And I don't know. I don't know. Like their communities were indistinguishable from each other. Like you wouldn't yeah. know you were in one versus the other by, you know, listening to the discords the, yeah. the you know, you read the white papers, the tokenomics were, you know, they were fiddling around the edges, not nothing very much different. Um, so yeah, it was hard to tell what the differences were. Um, I don't know where I'm going. Shizzy. You just yeah. start. Well, no, with the tomb for, I want, I want to, so basically tomb, and I, I kind of sat still there on the sidelines a lot with the, all those tomb forks because um, when I was when I was doing my research in the tomb, uh, tomb would look like a parasite on Phantom. Like tomb was, um, they said it was backed one to one by Phantom, but it wasn't really backed one to one by Phantom. Like there was no actual Phantom yeah. that was really backing it. It was just a parasite that said, "Hey, we're the same price as Phantom. Look yeah. at us." And I I looked at that and I was like, it had. And I looked in the Harry Gay and complete Paris parasite that he, he is. Oh yeah. And it was just like I was I, I sat there and I missed all that potential profit because I saw it as a parasite and I saw it as like I wish I would have bought a little bit because I watched that thing run all the way up. I think yeah. T T shares was um when I first started looking at it like eight, nine hundred. That thing went all the way up to like what, thirteen thousand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty thousand, right? Crazy. Um I saw it at 900. I missed it because it, it just looked like a complete parasite. And I well, completely missed that. To, to, to compound this, some of the forks that I was looking at, they were, they were, they were running contrary to Tomb. Like while yeah. Tomb, while Tomb was, was collapsing, they were skyrocketing. Yeah. Um, 
So again, you know, you look, you say, and if you, you know, that's exactly it. And, you, and if you if you look at the if you look at the, the the technicals of how they operated, there was nothing in in what what the what those what the, the different projects were offering the marketplace. They were offering you the same thing. So why yeah. one versus the other? Why was one why was one that was you know had a market cap of hundreds of millions of dollars collapsing while this other one of you know maybe a sing, couple single digit millions was was doing a 10x in a, in a month and a half i mean i, I think it was because of the big whales like harry yay and they can just move all their money into one thing wait for everyone else re retail to climb in and then dump on them and then go uh, to the next one that's pile all their money in wait for retail to come in to join them yep. dump on them yep totally and so that's an interesting game right and once you're aware that that's the game that's being played yeah. Well, now you're in a better chance to figure out, you know, what your in and out points are, you know, what, where yeah. your tolerance is at. Cannot get greedy with those things. If you get 2x, take it. You get 3x, take it. Take it or run. You know, at least take your money out. So if you do get yeah. dumped on, you just lose the money that you know, wasn't yours to begin with. Oh, but here's where human psychology makes it so hard. Because right? you do 3x, you do 3x in two weeks. Yes. And you start spending that money. You're not spending that money. You're spending the money you might make in the next two weeks. That other three X yep. you haven't even gotten yet. You're already yep. spending that. And it's I'm so thinking, wow, well, I get two more. I can buy two more ether <laughs> with the profits of this. I can still keep a big chunk of this. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Another week and a half in on this Ponzi scheme, and I can earn back my initial investment, and I'll be yes. free and clear. And then that's yep. great. But on day seven instead of day 10, it tanks and it yeah, you're, you're whole first lot. thing you're up 300 percent, and the next thing you know you're down 95 percent. and so, now say your five thousand dollar investment is now 500. so and the technicals don't predict any of that because yeah. because there's there's in those situations it seems like there's some people who are holding the edge the fringe of the rug yeah. and you know Harry yeah. exactly and they're like okay now's the time when i pull it right because they're so yep. they're looking at the technicals too but they're looking at the technicals to figure out when they're going to change. You know, the TA is the way the TA is until it's not, until it until it changes. And they're the ones that decide now's the moment I change it by 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 the rug pull. Anyway, yeah. I don't know how we got on this this tangent, but I, I, I found works <laughs> fascinating. I, I found I found yeah, they, they, they were they were very fascinating. Yeah, it was, it, was yeah. A fun, it was definitely a fun time. I think that was uh, February or March of 2022 before yep. we yep. got smacked in the face. Yeah, it, it felt like it was sort of. It almost felt like it was. Right after the right after rebase tokens, um, the shine came off of rebasing, and people yeah. it almost felt like some of that money was and people were looking for the, the forks. thing, and yeah. so you know, Tomb Forks showed up at the right time to be that next yeah. fun. And honestly, it was it, you know, it, it's a fun game to play, it was uh, seniors is, is fun, but uh, but yeah, Pony so. Ponzianomics is one of the best games in DeFi. <laughs> <laughs> it's musical chairs i mean it really is it's but if you treat it like a ponzi you yeah. get in early yeah you get out early yeah, you and can. then you, you can constantly just keep making money yep if you've got the discipline now that's you know that that's a hard yeah. thing right having the discipline a lot of people you know laugh. I, I think it's learned though i think yeah. it's something that that i've learned and by you know by being up so much on some of these these coins and then even this one like i i i, I that that voice like is finally popping in my head like Hey, hey, man! I think you should uh, sell a little bit here. I didn't have that last time. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, gosh, do we go off topic or, or, or what? Yeah. Or... So, uh, what's next? We got some white papers. All right. What you yeah. get into this week? You're a very busy man, apparently. Let's talk about some white papers for a moment here. Okay. So, um, 
I started reading the white papers. Now, don't ask me why I started reading white papers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I hate myself. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. it's some deep-seated self-loathing. Do you, do you, do you like do a lot of reading for your, your, um, uh, your, your career right now? Sadly, no, I don't have okay. time. I don't have yeah. time. A lot of reference reading. Yes. Um, okay. but like to really get deeply involved in something. No. And so maybe that's it. Cause I felt like, I felt like I've been working at the surface of too many things and I wanted to more deeply understand mechanics of things. And so, you know, white papers are usually out of a reasonable size, you know, 20, 25 yeah. pages, you know, yeah. it's sort of a self encapsulated thing where you can kind of get a good handle yeah. on, on a thing. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to start, uh, you know, digging into, so, so here, here's, here's the short list of some of the papers that I've been reading. So I, I've read yeah. the, uh, gone through the, the Beanstalk white paper, the Dye white paper, uh, the Doge chain white paper, Avalanche, Polygon, uh, Canto and Phantom. Now, uh, working wow. backwards, uh, work, working backwards okay. I like a little bit. Um, I like this. I like this. There, there are no Canto and Phantom white papers, which I found quite surprising. I could not find the Phantom oh. white paper. Um, as such, if it exists, let me know. Okay. I want to read it, but yeah. I couldn't find it. I'm pretty sure I found the Canto white paper, though. Okay. But I, I could be wrong. I would like to find that, but all okay. I could find was the the Canto um, uh, Git books um, documentation, okay. which mixes like like a white paper is not supposed to be telling you sort of technically how to work a given mechanism. Like it's not there to say you know move X from Y, et cetera, et cetera, and click this button. The Canto documents describe how to use the Canto UI. Okay. That's not a white paper. So yeah. I was looking for, and they sprinkle in some things in amongst that, but I couldn't find like a Canto white paper yeah. that really described, well, that does to Canto what a white paper should. Mm -hmm. um, so I was missing. So anyway, if you've got that, that would be awesome. Now, sort of continuing my, my work back. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Polygon. So Polygon, I couldn't find a white paper as such, but it, it felt like more like reading a marketing PowerPoint presentation. So it was like okay. sort of slides of, of sort of marketing claims after slides of marketing claims after slides of marketing claims. That really turned me off. I was very uninterested in that. So I, I moved on from Polygon pretty quickly. Again, okay. if there's something deeper, um, you know, if you let me know. Um, yeah. Avalanche. Before I get to Avalanche, let's uh, let's do Doge Chain. I was actually looking for Doge Coin, but I got Doge Chain, but didn't realize it until I was halfway through the paper. And the Doge uh, Chain is an EVM compatible with with Dogecoin, where the Doge is actually wrapped, correct? Yeah. So the idea okay. and and the white paper spells it out is that Doge Coin was a fascinating meme that mm -hmm. actually resulted in a quite usable token a quite usable coin um but then it stalled out it didn't go anywhere it seemed to be just satisfied with being a usable meme um that people just accumulated what did sold and or, or well whatever. the problem was it was highly it was hi highly inflationary because when they were doing the um doing the blocks it was completely random blocks and some blocks would be an insane amount of dogecoin yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why in the beginning it, it wasn't successful because the point of Bitcoin was to be, you know, yeah. have low inflation. Well, as a meme, like it wouldn't be important to put a to put a, a cap on it. Right. Because it, it, yeah. it, as a meme coin, it was that wasn't really the purpose. But it sort of evolved into something that you, yeah. you know, that actually was is is quite usable in terms of transactions. And there's really nothing. Really wrong. Is. Yeah. You know. And so the point of this paper was that. Um, the project evolved into something that that is usable, but the underlying technology 
didn't keep up with that. It's it was seemed to be satisfied with being a meme, and it kind of let the rest of the world carry on without it. And so yeah. the whole point of Doge Chain was to say, look, you know what? We can have, There's something here, and there's a community of people here that are into this. There's something here that if we created the ecosystem around this, that it could actually be something more. It could outgrow its memeness into something. Yeah. So, I didn't realize that, and I was reading the 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 white paper as if it was the Doge Coin white paper. Gotcha. And then it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, this is Doge Chain. This is different. Mm-hmm. So then I started again, and I reread it. It was interesting. It's a it's a very light read. It's a very light read. Yeah. It's a quick read. Um, it, it's interesting to go through. Uh, it's openly critical of 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 Doge Coin and where you know things could be made better. So anyway, that's good. I'm actually glad that that is. That's yep. Yep. So it's um. So yeah. It's again. If if you're it is a light read, and so if you're just wanting to, you know, get your feet into uh, white reading white papers in the space, obviously, you know, start with Satoshi's. It's Satoshi's paper is yeah. not is actually not a difficult dense read at all. Um, yeah. you could you can manage it through, and then the Satoshi is really good. Yeah, especially already being in the space. I mean, before when people were reading it in the very beginning, they didn't have the knowledge that we have on a day to day basis. So oh, really? reading it today, knowing what we know, it's a lot easier than it was 12 yeah. years ago. Yeah, because you, you already come pre-programmed with a lot of the concepts. So you can put things that are being mentioned in that paper into place and in and places that have relations with other things, too. So it's, yeah, it's a much easier read now than it, it was back then. Okay, so from uh, from Doge Chain, then uh, Avalanche. So I started digging. Now, Avalanche has a number of, of, uh, of white papers. Um, they're good white papers. These are good. Yeah. These are solid. These aren't. These aren't like really, really complex technical papers. Like you're not going to get really lost yet. I haven't read all four, um, but they're they're meaty. They're good. They explain really well what what the what what's happening and why within within Avalanche. You know why why is it a chain of chains? You know what and how does yeah. that work and what does that mean? And that's what I find the white papers are really important to uh, to read because as the different chains try to distinguish each other from from each other yeah they will use something like well avalanche will say well we're a chain of chains and you're like oh i know what a, i know what a blockchain is so i guess i understand what a chain of chain is chains are not necessarily you should go and you should read to understand exactly what that means yeah. from avalanche's implementation perspective and then is that something you think is is a useful feature or behavior that the market will respond to and that'll help you decide is avax something you want to get involved in are projects on AVAX something you want to get involved in? Yes or no? So anyway, so AVAX, AVAX was, or sorry, Avalanche was was good. I'm only a quarter of the way through the the white papers there. Those were good. Gotcha. Um, so the, um, I, one second with that. So um, is it different ones for the X chain and the C chain? I know the C chain is the is the um, uh, EVM chain, and the yeah. X chain is not correct. Yeah. So they got so there's a, a white paper for platform. Uh, there's a white paper for tokens. So there's okay. a white paper for, and I can't remember the other two, but it's it's See, not okay. it's not chain specific, but it is. Okay. Like, here's the platform white paper. Um, now my guess is that the difference between the chains like that are a, a technical instantiation of yeah. concepts in the white paper. So it's a step below that. That is a distinction that is below the white paper level of of, of discussion. I think. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Makes sense. I, I may be corrected as I read the rest of them. Um, so next I got into was Die. Um, I didn't know anything about Die before. This was this was um, very interesting, and I found it really interesting because I could connect it with a lot of other thing, a lot of other um, 
knowledge I had from other coins that I just sort of picked yeah. up opportunistically. And that's um, Maker Die, correct? The yeah. Maker so, protocol. Yeah. Okay. So Makers, Makers the coin, Makers their coin. Uh, okay. Makers obviously the, the Maker DAO is the DAO, and Die is their uh, stablecoin. And so, um, yeah, it was just interesting, you know, reading about how you know it's a uh, uh, it's an over collateralized meaning. Um, yeah, so I guess I could go into. So meaning what you do as an investor in die is you will put in 150, you want X amount of die out, you yeah. put 150% value in some other coin into a smart contract that it then locks up and it then releases. That's what they mean by over collateralized, meaning you have to put in X, you know, 1.X more yeah value then then you're looking to get out and so it holds it holds that collateral and then there's you know then it describes all the rules for liquidation and how liquidation happens you know should the balance of value between the two coins um get out of whack or or, or drop too severely and so it can't maintain that you know one dot x um over collateralization yeah. so anyway, very interesting about and about how the contracts uh, how those how the contracts work and how they hold the value and how they release the value and what you have to do and then some of the fees that you pay in order to uh, in order to unwind, unwind your contract. So I'm anyway, very interesting idea because I didn't and know. Since it that. is a DAO, where does the fees, the fees go? Does it go to the maker holders? That's a good question. The white paper okay. didn't talk That's about the, yeah. or the DAO. Okay. It was just about gotcha. specifically. Yeah. And it being over, over collateralized, is it really stable? Like, can it be a dollar 13 and then a dollar 30 and a dollar 25? Well, so yes, it can be. Okay. And so then it describes the mechanism by which it does that. So then it, I got you. Know, you. It'll so buy, I got you. Yeah. So it'll buy, and I'll get into this in in, in more detail in just a moment because the the, the way the die mechanism um, seems to be a, a sort of foundational to how Beanstalk works or how Bean works. Okay. So, uh, so from die, let's go into Bean. So okay. Uh, the Bean, okay. Oh yeah. Anyway, so the, the overall that white paper is a very readable white paper. Um, okay. And so, yeah, it's 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 very long, it's very detailed, but it's it's a it's a readable white paper. Beanstalk, on the other hand, is a very difficult white paper. It's only difficult because it reads like a math dissertation. So the um, devs wrote it. I would say the the math geeks and the the, the economics okay. geeks wrote it. Not even the okay. devs. Like it's okay. so there's formulas everywhere. They use these weird Greek letters and things to represent. And even if you don't understand what they all mean. You can you can you you can sort of understand all those formula are simply representing relationships of different tokens to each other. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these different ways of of sort of all these different units of account that are internal to Beanstalk, and all these formulas sort of describe how these different units of account relate to each other and how a change in one has affects another. And and that's how because so Beanstalk so Bean claims to be sort of not a stable coin, but what they call a stability oscillator, meaning its whole point is it's supposed to rise and fall against a peg. So it's supposed okay. to rapidly go back and forth, above and below, above and below, above and below. And as it goes up, then there's certain dynamics um, for investors to earn. And when it drops below, there are opposite dynamics that mm, investors That's earn. really cool. And the whole idea is you earn bean, you accrue more bean. So as a stable coin, it's not increasing in value. But what it's doing is it's increasing the number of beans based on these dynamics. And so as you as you invest in a certain strategy, as the value of as the demand for bean exceeds supply, then you start to accrue actual bean. When it goes the other way and demand for bean drops below 
um, supply of bean, then there's another mechanism that you can then switch to in order to position yourself to accrue more in the upswing. So, so it, it basically monetizes you to keep it stable. That's exactly the whole point. It's, it's because philosophically Beanstalk is trying to be as decentralized as possible. There's no inherent mechanism for stability. What there are, oh, sorry, there's a mechanism for stability on the, um, on the upside, meaning when there's more demand than supply, they just, they, they simply mint more beans. So that gotcha. Dow has control over. They don't have control over the other side when supply exceeds demand. So what they've got there is they have mechanisms to incent the community into behaviors that will naturally rebalance the supply and demand. Yeah. So the mechanism itself doesn't take a command and control um, perspective, but instead it's a series of incentives to help to encourage people um, to do what's necessary to bring it back into one, which is a really interesting idea. And the yeah. mechanism they have to do it in the way they've described it is absolutely is fascinating. Um, I will admit, this is the third time I've tried to read the Beanstalk paper, and it's taken three times for me to really understand it. Yeah, and I still don't fully understand it, but I, th I feel like I've gotten somewhere in it now that I'm kind of like, mm, yeah, okay, I think I'm getting somewhere. So it took three times. It's, it's a dense read, yeah. but it's probably the most rewarding of all of the white papers, understanding how how this dynamic works because unlike Dai, so you got so you have Dai, which is an over collateralized stable yeah. bean is a credit based it's not collateral it's a credit based stable coin meaning it's they keep stability based on that that mechanism of, of incenting the people yeah the holders to engage in behaviors that will counteract um price drops so, so it, it's not like terra luna at all being a, a um uh Algorithm stable stablecoin? Okay. No. Okay. No, it's not. And it's taken and having read Dive first, I can see how it's borrowed a lot of the concepts from from Dai and from from similar. They they name a, a few other um, defunct projects that they've taken inspiration from. But I, I can see some of the Dai dynamics in terms of how to adjust stability when price goes down. Um, how how you sort of offset by buying and selling on different. Anyway, so it's. It, 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 it was a very rewarding um, um, white paper yeah. to read, and it was fascinating to understand how the, how the project is is working. So, anyway, there's my my weeks uh, yeah. my weeks reading material in. <laughs> and and with um with Dai basically what um it's basically the same thing as Note, correct? On the Canto blockchain, except Note is actually built in to the Canto chain. It's not a DAP that lives on top. Interesting. I, I don't know because I couldn't yeah. find the Canto paper, so I don't know. I'll take your word for it. Just well, if you go to um, here, let me um share my screen real quick. I did find something, but it might be something that you already found as well. If this will pop up for us, yeah. So if you go, in, is this is this the thing you came across? Yeah, that that's the Git book uh, documentation. Yeah. Now, okay. Uh, so I maybe I missed um, the part that you found. Yeah, well, because I, I actually wrote wrote a paper on this on um, shizzy.substack.com, and oh. I actually already went through all this. I went through the whole thing, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I did write it back in December, so I don't I can't remember 100%, but I'm pretty sure I found a pretty good portion of note on here. I don't want to give up too much time searching for it, but it's something that we will 
I'll, uh, I'll look into for next week and we'll kind of go over it and kind of see how close note and die really are. That's a really good idea. Cause I, yeah, that's a super good idea. I'd be very curious about that. Cause I, I found, I found dies model. Uh, uh, I found it fascinating. It was by far way simpler than Beanstalk. Um, and so well, here it, it is right here. Accomplish similar goals. And if note can accomplish similar goals, but in a much simpler to understand and implement model, then, um, you know, that's, yeah, that that's that's over collateralized, capital efficient, fully decentralized, automated. Man, I see I see a lot of similar ideas. Yeah, they're calling this a unit of account. They're not calling it a stable coin. They're not calling it that's um anything else. They're calling it a unit of yep. account. Yep, yep, yep. And that's exactly. And so, if you recall, when I was describing a lot of the um, internal tokens that Beanstalk has, they all function as units of account. They're non-tradable um yeah. they're, they do not store value they are they're not um they're not exchangeable um they're just simply accounting tokens um that are internal but there's complex mechanisms for how to balance them and each one sort of represents a certain behavioral dynamic in, in the investor population and so um you know they and so they they both represent and drive um behaviors so i'm super curious about um about this yeah well, well I'll, dig into. I'll, I'll dig in i'll dig deeper in this and then we'll go we'll go back over it uh next week yeah for sure gosh i think i we, we i think i may have bored all of our bot listeners no dude i i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed um, i do have one question um uh when you when you were reading the um uh, the avalanche so is avalanche trying to be a layer one with layer twos or are they trying to be a layer zero with layer ones but the, out of the little bit that you that that you yeah. kind of like read about it. because that was my only question and I, I I actually that might be my uh my study for the week I I'm kind of actually I or, or you know what I think they're sub chains I don't think they're yeah. layer twos or layer ones so he, here's how I would characterize it and I could be completely wrong about this um it it feels like it's a network of layer ones so okay. it's 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 a it's a proliferation of peer layer ones. So um, do, do do those layer ones need Avalanche, or they do they use their own native token? No, or they is that need, something that... they they need to use Avax as their gas? But but they are independent of each other, um, so they're they're not they're not they're not interdependent with each other. Even though they use Avax, they're not independent with each other. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, yeah, man, that makes complete sense. Yeah, you, you basically need to still need to bridge the Avax from chain to chain, but they all do take Avax. Kind of like, yeah. it. that kind of reminds me of Arbitrum. And yeah, that. I think that, that Avax dependency is is a necessary evil. As I, I, I'm putting words in, in Avalanche's mouth. Yeah. It feels like conceptually that's a necessary evil. Um, because the idea is simply to create a web of chains, not one chain to rule them all, yeah. not one, not a sort of a hub and spoke chain where there's like one that's the first of all chains, but it's supposed to be a, a, a web of of um, of independent chains, which is where it gets its scalability, its performance, its cost. Yep. That's where all the benefits accrue is the fact that it is a multiplicity. Uh, as opposed to a, a, a unitary um, chain, so yeah. So basically, again, basically you don't want to clog up the Avalanche chain. So having multiple chains can run multiple DApps and even the same DApps on diff on different chains to kind of break up the usage, which keeps the network the, the fees cheaper and the the the, the, the transactions quicker. 
which makes a lot of sense for cases, especially things like like GameFi. Like, let's say you're a yeah. studio and you've got like five or six different games. Great, yeah. you spin up five or six identical um, um, avalanche. You know, you, you you've you've got you have five identical silos for each one of your games that behaves exactly. So now you don't have necess- you don't have the overhead of having of really having five unique chains but you have the benefit because they all behave the same they're all this they all are essentially the same um anyway so it it, it seems like that's really well suited for things like like game where you need you know you've got lots of transactions happening simultaneously lots of fee collection that are hopefully small amounts of fees going to keep the prices down and then you don't want to clog everything up because you know there's a a, a 10 times more popular game Yep. Um, that's right doing 30 to... transactions a second and then this yeah. one's doing 90 transactions a second and then you're sitting there wait wait you're in you're in game waiting for yeah. a load screen because the yeah, transactions exactly. are going through. so as a studio you can spin up your new games and each one of them then you know can be its own um avalanche based chain and you know you're not gonna you're not gonna affect affect your your most popular game that's driving it so um, anyway, so I, as I read, I may be completely wrong about that, but it, it feels like I, if I was to characterize it in the terms you used, it's a, yeah. it's a web of web of layer ones. Yeah, I, I, I definitely um, I definitely want to keep this segment um, for like next week, too, because I, I really I really actually really enjoyed it. And I kind of want to go. And uh, if you could uh, send me over the, the web papers for Avalanche, I definitely would like to take a look at those. Yeah, for sure. And then we can talk about uh, Canto and Note next week. Cause yeah, that's, for sure. That's, that's, nothing we'll go into. Canto's a big, Canto's a big topic. Because uh, understanding these these layer ones is huge, especially when yeah. we're waiting for the DApps to come. And I think yeah. the next cycle is going to be the cycle of the DApps and really understanding which chain does what for what reason. And is this a layer one or a layer zero, a layer two, a subchain? It oh. will really help when you're using the DApps on them and really have an understanding of uh, this This is a fork of this DAP, fork of this DAP, but which which one is better for the usage of my time? No, for sure. And it's also really helpful to be able to d- distinguish the, the me too's, right? Like if you're looking at, you know, four different chains or different tokens on chains to invest in, you know, yeah. do you really want to buy into the one that's just on a me too chain? Um, yeah. You know, well, maybe, maybe not, you know. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. Because like, there's, there's, there's so many winners and losers. Yeah. Like, just because we, we can say they're all awesome right now, it doesn't mean that the, the, I mean, it really goes on to not being a ghost chain and actually having useful dApps. And I think that's why, and again, I think dApps are really going to be um, really going to take off on the on the next the next cycle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, then we can have, you know, conversations like this. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of, one of my favorite, uh, um, well, not really a favorite, but, you know, I like to pick on Phantom a lot um, simply yeah. because it's one of those cases where it apparently has... Um, superior where it's a superior solution that just can't seem to buy traction for love or money like it's just you know i know it had a good run-up but when you look at when you look at this week it got beat down hard i mean it got the right. hardest the top 100 it got it got beat down the hardest out of everybody um and so you know as you you know to, if you understand the mechanics of what's happening under the hood you can start to ask reasonable questions like you know why like is there a reason in the technology itself that people are reacting to. And if you come to the conclusion that no, it actually is not, it is honestly a superior technical solution. All the reasons are outside of the technology. Well then as an investor, you, you're in a better position to understand how to deal with that. You know, the price is being driven by something that isn't responding to fundamentals. 
or yeah. you know it's see, see I, I just I, I just yeah so anyway I'm 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 a big fan of of reading the white papers even though I don't really understand a lot of what I'm yeah well it's I mean that I kind of let's kind of goes back into this is all it's I mean we're all in this we're all learning together and yeah. you know what I mean so like learning learning the stuff with uh and that's why like, I got I watch YouTube so like we can, can show one person something that they didn't know yesterday then I think that I think it's definitely worth keep going and keep digging digging into so well, speaking of showing people things that they didn't know yesterday, we've got some we got some picks, don't we? we got some. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's go over let's... our. Um, oh, wait, there it is. Uh, it's not the screen. Um, let me see one second. Stop screen. Uh, present. Yeah, they they changed up the uh, share screen. It's a little different now, uh -oh. so you have to like physically go into what you want. It's kind of it. After I used to, it'll, it'll be easier. But all right, so. Uh, it was a recap of in case you didn't watch last week. Last week we took a thousand dollars. I had five hundred and Nimbles had five hundred, and we picked um, I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different coins, and we'll kind of go on from coin, coin for coin. So right now our biggest it looks like our biggest holding as of right now is. Uh, is magic magic didn't really do as bad i mean for seven days we're down 25 percent, which isn't really that bad and we put we were down 46 dollars on magic our next coin uh was uh imagine generation ai which um we are down wow is that 126 dollars oh, wow. <laughs> i didn't know it was down that much okay. yeah that hurts yeah that's what that that was that's and then um, Vulcan Forge, uh, seven dollars. We're down seven dollars sixty-five cents. Uh, Moonbeam, we are down eight dollars and seventy-two cents. Pluto Dow, we are down ten dollars and seventy-five cents. Dust Protocol, we're down seventeen dollars. Ipo, we're down thirty-two, and then Phantom, we're down seventeen in one week. So yeah. that, that's so overall, our thousand dollars is now seven hundred and fifty-one dollars. And if you yeah. copied us last week, I apologize. <laughs> We we were too happy last week, Shizzy. We were gloating. Yeah, too we much. were. We really were. Don't gloat. Don't gloat. That's the lesson here. All right. So before we go into our picks, is there anything that you would like to maybe change up? Do you want to take money out of anything? Do you want to sell anything? Is there anything that you're not happy with that you were last week? Yeah. No, I wouldn't change. I would. I mean, you don't change on red, right? Yeah. On yeah, this is not the time to change change the jockey. So you know, I, I, yeah. would, I would hold. Okay. Yeah. Same here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do any changes. Yeah. All right. And then, so um, we'll go to uh, one of your picks first. I'll give you the honor. So right. we, so every week we will have $100 um, to share. And if we have a guest, we will each get 25. The guest will get 50. And when we don't have a guest, we will each get $50. So what, how are you spending your $50 this week? All right. I'm going to split them up between four different tokens. Some okay. are already on this list. Okay. We're not. Okay. So let's start off with uh, I'm going to drop, but uh, I'm going to buy, I'd like to buy 27 Canto. I've already, okay. I've already worked out the math for the amount. So you, it's just 27 Canto. Add Canto. All right. We have our Canto. We're going to add, we're going to add 27. Yeah. This, this is definitely the way we should do last week. I was very unprepared for that. I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> It was just a great idea, but I didn't realize how much actually went into it. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. What is your next token? 
next, um, I would like to put uh, six or ten onto magic. So I'd like to add ten magic, please. And you're buying the dip here. What's that? We're buying the dip here. We're buying the dip. Um, I just, <laughs> you know, I have strong reservations about GameFi generally, but uh, yeah. I suspect there are a lot of people who, I mean, when I look at the growth of things like fantasy football, yeah. um, you know, it's the amount of participation is amazing. Now, I know there's some unique dynamics around, you know, gambling and laws and legal gambling in a lot of states that sort of help drive um, fantasy football, for example, yeah. and all fantasy sports. Uh, that don't really apply here. But I still suspect that there's just a strong interest in the marketplace. And as those same people start to learn about GameFi and that they can also earn real money participating there, that I think a lot of those same people are going to add GameFi to their existing. That's my that's my yeah. supposition. So I'm not just I'm not actually buying the dip. What I'm doing is I'm slowly trickling a steady amount into DCA. Dark yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. All right. What is your, right. your next point? Next one. Um, Phantom, some 35 Phantom, please. And that is a pure by the dip. Phantom took yeah. a giant gut punch this week. Yeah, I think it was it hit 60 some cents down to 42, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I suspect there's going to be a little elasticity that's going to bring that bring that back up, um, if not yeah. so, you know, sometime soon. So that's a by the dip. You know, a Phantom, um, we'll get into it real quick. Um, Andre came, Andre Kanja came out and said, you cannot mix AI and blockchain. And we at Phantom are not doing that. So please stop it. And I was like, finally, someone who's not coming out and just saying, uh, you know, FCX.ai and boom, it's back. You know what I mean? So <laughs> like, I, I really appreciated the honesty from Andre. And I th thought that was really awesome. Finally, someone came out and said, not every blockchain is going to have AI. Yeah. Yeah. It as soon as you say that, I'm like, yeah, why? Like, what? Yeah, the the, the use case, like the benefit. What's the benefit of of? I'm just, yeah, I'm with them. Uh, I, I only benefit I do, I do see is it trading for you. You know, yes, it's it's emotionless okay. trading. Yeah, automated trading, but that's you know that's already a thing. It's yeah, already, already exactly. adapted for that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like Simpsons did it. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they my, already did everything. <laughs> and All my right. last one is to add some AVAX. Okay. Um, and uh, just 0.3 AVAX, just a little bit, just a tiny bit of what, from what's left over. Okay. Okay. Reason for AVAX is, is it also took it also took a bit of an outsized um, yeah. hit. 22 down to 17. Right. Yeah, yeah, and you know I'm a little biased, ha having having read read through most of the white paper, fairly convinced of the the benefits of 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 uh, you know sort of uh, proliferating a network of of chains, um, you know as as we start discovering more and more use cases, it's going to be I think it's going to be more and more valuable to have use case specific chains as opposed to amalgamating a bunch of use cases represented by dApps on single chains that yeah. really have no business. Like the, there's no, there's no mutually reinforcing benefit to having them together on the same chain. So I suspect with Avalanche having that already built into its DNA, being able to support that 
yeah. I suspect that might be, and it's a unique benefit. Um, so, you know, I suspect, uh, so I'd like to put a little bit into, into Avalanche. And how many was that? I'm sorry. Just 0.3. Cause it's like, yeah, it's like at 17. So I only had a few dollars left from the hundred. So my picks are all boring. They're all like boring top 100 kind of, yeah. you know, establishment. Uh, no, nothing's going to the moon with with these picks. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm my picks are kind of the same. So I'm picking um, render, which I like to call reindeer, and because um, the the thing is R N D R. And what render is re render is really um, it basically is taking the rendering from your computer and speeding that up, and basically it's really going to help the the NFT um, things that people like Beeple, who is the number one NFT artist in the world, the guy sold, sold one NFT, NFT for $62 million. He is actually a big partner in render. He is actually an, a, a consultant. And I'm pretty sure that he is a part of the, uh, the render core team. And that's another reason why I believe if NFTs are really going to take off, people like Beeple are really going to lead the charge. And that is why I am choosing render. So is, is the reason you picked render driven more by its utility, its use case, its technology, or more by the people who were involved in it? Are, are you, are you investing more in the people that or sorry, should I say the people that are involved in it? Or are you investing more in? The... I like that. That was nice. So, um, so I, I was looking at our portfolio and I realized we didn't have any exposure to NFTs. Uh -huh. And besides Dust Protocol, which is an exposure to the Solana NFT um, uh, decods. Yep. And I wanted to have another one to kind of counterpart that in case okay. one fails, the other one should succeed. Yep. And it was the best to me. It was the best in that genre of, of coins, uh, NFT based coins, which there was a lot of, um, which, you know, uh, top of my head i can't think of any right now but there, there's there's a lot of bunch of different ones that have you know use cases in the nft but i saw with people being the backing the the, the team is all documented and doxed and i thought render would be the safest pick and have nft exposure yeah that okay so that raises an interesting question how important do you think it is for having a doxed team in terms of like, when you're looking to invest in projects how 100 percent. yeah like at, and um, I do uh, I do buy things with undox teams, but when I do that, that's very small portions. Uh, sometimes that's between a, a half percent and a one percent, uh -huh. rather than something with a with a dox team. I'm gonna go two to three percent of my portfolio. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Just just because they got they can disappear tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. they can you know kind of like um yeah so that yeah, that is that is why it's a safety thing for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. And I'm putting 25 hours in there, which is how much money was that? You did the math earlier. Or... Oh, sorry, I, I didn't do the math. No, no. I didn't do the math. For oh, you, I'm sorry. Hour 44. All right. Let's get my. Where's my calculator here? <laughs> sorry, I should have did this myself. <laughs> it looks like you're buying uh, 17 and a third. 17.3. All right. 17 point render. All right, and uh, the next coin I'm buying is Astar, A-S-T-R. And Astar is a parachain on the Polkadot blockchain. And again, I wanted more exposure. So towards the end of that rally that we just had when Bitcoin was sitting at 23, 24, um, Polkadot, in the, the month of January, Polkadot was one of the few um, 
chains and uh, the few categories that really didn't do anything. I mean, I think it went from six dollars to six seventy while mm. things were up, you know, 40, 50 per 60 percent. I mean, that's still like 10, 50 percent. But the comparison of the other the other the other chains and the other other stuff, it, it really didn't do much. And I felt like right right towards the end, it had that boost. And I think when um, when we get back to 23, 24 and the next like week or two, because mm. I'm really expecting CPI to come in really, really low because um, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh they're ch- they changed the way CPI is being read for the yep. uh, starting the month of January, and okay. instead of instead of looking at two past years of CPI, they're now looking at one. So they're judging it from year over year and not year over two years. Oh, so the CPI is going to come in very low. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think Tuesday Valentine's Day we're mm-hmm. going to be very green on a very red day of Valentine's Day, and I'm really I'm, I'm almost I I I I'm I'm almost. I don't like the trade. I don't like to take longs, but yeah. I'm almost at the point where I'm going to take a long before that 830 number, 830 yeah. Eastern time number yep. comes in. And I, I'm, I'm almost positive because, I mean, I was talking to a, a TradFi guy um, on Twitter and he and he said the Fed always changes, always changes the way they, they read it to get, to get the number down and it always works. And in my head, I'm like, well, they just did it again. And what a better time to do it when inflation's at, you know, 5.5% last, yeah. last month. And, you know, so it's going to be it's going to be in the threes. And that is why Jerome Powell came out because he knows he he knows that it's going to be down because of the way they're checking it. And yep. that is why he came out so dovish and because yep. there's no reason for him to be hawkish because he knows what the number is already. And that really gave me confidence. Another reason why I believe that um, the T.A. is not reading it correctly. The T.A. guys, because I, I believe this number is going to come in low. And what other reason? Like, there's no other reason for us to keep dropping. Gosh, you don't oh, to go off on on. On, on TA again, like, you know, when, when you look at how the price of BTC tracks the Dixie, yeah. like, like it's, there's a, I mean, there's an undeniably strong correlation between those, those two, those, those curves are really close to each other. And so yeah. do you really like, so does TA predict, predict the Dixie as well? Like, you know, like I, eh, I, I'm so, but then I, I've got to wrestle with the fact that, for some people, they really can read the tea leaves. Like the the, the tea leaves are telling them something, and they yeah. are consistent. Now that said, though, you know, let me walk that back a little bit because you know the 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 one you know uh, we you know Sean is probably our, our sort of our, our touch point for for the strongest yeah. proponent of TA, but he has a he has what feels like to me as a fairly unique strategy where he has tactics both for rising and falling markets. And, you know, all he does, and then he has those tactics subdivided by time horizon. So whether the, whether it's going, whether the TA is saying it's going up or down, all he's doing is he's just using that to say, okay, I will align these strategies for up, I'll align these strategies. So he's making money no matter what's actually happening. And then if things aren't working out exactly as planned, then it's not that hard to sort of like, you know, tweak the tweak the the tactics a little bit so unlike other people who may be using ta to predict the future which i guess is where i have a problem with it and he'd probably say those people deserve to lose money because they're not doing it right um that seems i guess that's where i have the bigger problems where people are are using it like astrology like tea leaves like like literally trying to read the future and then doing whatever that that is telling to do which just seems like it you know it's mathematically demonstrably 
impossible to happen. Yeah. But from Sean's perspective, all he's doing is he's he's hedging on both sides and he's able to then just say, look, it's going to be short term, short term bull now, medium term yep. bear. And so, you know, so he's got strategies on both ends. So I suspect yep. it works. It, it I mean, it, it probably does work because, I mean, astrology works too. There's this girl, Maureen Altman, on Twitter. I'm, I'm not sure if you follow her. She yeah. does um, she, she does uh, astrology and Bitcoin. And for some gosh darn reason, she's always goddamn right. But really? uh, she predicted the, 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 um, the, the uh, was that, the Celsius and um, Tether crash. I mean, the UST crash, the Luna yeah. She predicted that. She predict well. She didn't predict that. She predicted that. Um, I think it was like May twelfth. She predicted that there was some moon or something that was going to change something. And May twelfth, and it was right around May twelfth, and boom, all the way down. And she also predicted that around December we were going to get out of the hole that we were in, and boom, and we're out. So my 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 wife is like she she reads that astrology stuff so she, like she was telling me that yeah, she really believes that i mean just like the ta guys believe yeah. their numbers on yeah. the chart she really believes that the, uh the way the sun and the earth is it really can it does stuff to people's emotions and yeah. i think yeah. charts do the same thing to emotions but who knows it, it, you know what i mean who knows if, if you can make money in this thing using astrology or using ta or just doing what we do and just really just trying to get in things early and not really care where the price go because you're just going to keep dollar cost averaging. So yeah, I, it can really go either way. And um, so, I mean, what, what, whatever you believe in, go for it. Like yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent down with it all. Yep. For sure. For sure. No, I totally agree. And in, in this, in this case, you know, when we're talking about investing, investing um, economics, finance, you're literally putting your money where your mouth is. And so yeah. you're making you, bets. Exactly. So if you're willing to put your money where you believe astrology is going to predict the future, then, you know, if you're right, then, you know, you, you, your, your risk earned you whatever, whatever rewards are coming your way. So yep. power to you. hundred percent. All right, man. It was an amazing show. All right. uh, I've really enjoyed this one. I think we're getting better and better every week. I don't know about you. I really <laughs> do. I think this one was way better than it was last week. I think we really, uh, we're really learning. There we go. Well, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, I'm just starting to feel more like it's just, you know, you and I talking. Like, yeah, I really, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was just, just two guys catching up on what happened. Yeah, man, definitely. And for me, I don't really, everyone thinks I'm freaking nuts. I had two conversations at, at, uh, at my job uh, this week and they were just, they thought I was crazy. They think I'm gambling and I'm just like, well, if you think we're still going to be using the wire system in, in, in 10 years, then you're, yeah. you're the, you're the crazy ones. Cause yeah. I mean, like oh, you yeah. think we're really going to use these cards, these these credit cards that were made in in the seventies yeah, because yeah. of uh, the diner club, and we're going to yeah. keep using that in ten years. And you guys are the crazy ones. Oh, so. seriously. I mean, stuff is so right. <laughs> the, the structure, you know, the, the the way corporations are structured. What a corporation is was invented like four hundred years ago in the Netherlands. Yeah. Like, are you telling me that it's not? We're not ready to um, try something different. You know, like. Yeah. Whether it whether DAOs are the thing, I, yeah. I don't know, but it sure seems like it's about time to try something different and see what happens. Yeah, what yeah. And, and everything, everything innovated. Every single thing around us innovated. I mean, we 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 have we have PCs in our pocket at all times. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, we're we're like I truly believe that we're like these. It's I don't call it a cell phone no more. It's really just like it's part of my brain. You know what I mean? Oh, like it really oh. is. And There's the only thing that hasn't changed is is, the, is our money. And the way we we're sending wires that take three to yeah. four days when yeah. I can send, I can send you, 
I can send you Phantom in four point what one point four seconds. Like what? What? It's just it. But they don't see that. They the 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 normies. They they just see oh Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme. Look pick look look behind Bitcoin. Like you know yeah. look behind it. Like look all like, everything's behind it. And it's not a Ponzi. It's it's number uh, go up technology because they're going to print away. I, it's funny, you know that that whole that whole charge of it's a Ponzi scheme. Like literally everything in finance is a Ponzi scheme. Now there's yes, yeah, obviously a difference between a group of people who get together to try to trick another group of people into yep. giving them their money so that you know they can so they specifically and only to turn them into exit liquidity. Okay, I yep. think there's a difference between that. And and sort of Ponzi-nomics. I mean, Ponzi-nomics, yeah. Social Security is Ponzi-nomics. Yeah. There, there ain't nobody who's willing to give up their Social Security. Like there, no. there's there's nobody who's happy about that. But it's a but it's a Ponzi scheme. Yep. And it's a Ponzi scheme because to to perform its function at its scale, yep. that is the only mechanism that can accomplish that goal. So yeah, everything's a Ponzi scheme. There are different kinds of Ponzi schemes and that charge doesn't really mean anything. Like I mean, that, that greenback, if you don't believe that greenback is worth anything, like the greenback is only worth what, what, you, what you believe it's worth. And so that, and anyway, I could go on and on for, for yeah. a long time. I mean, yeah, is, is everything really comes down to, all, all, what is it, August 11th, uh, 1971, when Richard Nixon went on TV and he took the dollar off the gold standard, and we printed $31 trillion since that day. Yeah. See, I mean, even, oh, geez, to go off on another tangent, I mean, even even gold is just a, f- a figment of our imagination. Like, why is gold yep. a value? Shiny rocks. Oh, because it's scarce. Yeah, but my belly button lint is also pretty scarce, and nobody really wants that. <laughs> no. Scarce. Scarcity is not the thing. It's 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 necessary but insufficient. Well, the the problem with gold scarcity, I I, I disagree a little bit. The, I think scarcity is a very pretty amazing thing, but digital scarcity, where everything is, I I I'm not gonna go dig a hole one day and find a bunch of gold. I'm not gonna go dig a hole one day and find a bunch of Bitcoin because it's gonna be it's digital. I can find a USB, but that I knew where that that Bitcoin was the entire time. I just didn't know exactly whose usb it was it's pseudo anonymous so i think digital digital gold is way more than actual gold because there's only 21 million it's all there ever can be and it's all transparent on the blockchain and i'm not going to go dig a hole and find shit shit, shit ton of it or an asteroid is not going to smack the ground and we're going to get a shit ton more so so because you know because we don't have any listeners you know we can we can go off for a little we bit four no, no <laughs> time here because you, you you touched on a, on a couple hot button issues for me yeah um, i love this so, so first of all so yeah when you when you like i strongly equate gold and and bitcoin for the reason that gold is like the ultimate proof of work algorithm a uh, proof, proof of work uh, uh model meaning why is gold worth what it's worth well because someone's got to go dig it out of a ground out of the ground you can't yeah. you can't counterfeit that Somebody has to process the gold. There's all these very cost steps in terms to get that ounce of gold that can't be faked by any means that require work. And that ounce of gold is proof that that work took place. And so it is requires investment. He needs to buy the picks, the shovels, the the hat with the light on it, the whole nine yards. So it's the same the same way that Bitcoin is proof of work. Gold is proof of work, and that's where they that's why they have such a strong foundation because. 
they're based yeah. on something that cannot be counterfeited, cannot be copied, cannot be replicated, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I, I very much, and I, and I probably believe that Bitcoin should probably, like gold, sort of sink under the surface of daily economic activity yeah. and, and be there, but it won't be, it won't be sort of at the forefront. Now, you mentioned yeah. the thing about about gold, about sort of about Bitcoin's scarcity, and this is the thing. This is the an argument I've, I've had with many people is that they say, well, you know, Bitcoin, you know, twenty one million. I'm like, yeah, okay. If a number is infinite on either side of the decimal, then that number is infinite. Meaning, if go if Bitcoin is infinitely divisible into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. Now, obviously, we get to a point where we're talking, you know, like one sat. But you know, yeah. as it becomes so to, today, so let me give you an example. Let's say today this hot dog is worth one Bitcoin. Okay, now prices inflate, and now people have you know Bitcoin's worth a lot more. Well, now that hot dog is only worth 0.1 Bitcoin, not because it became less valuable, but because Bitcoin, because the value of it, one Bitcoin inflated. So once Bitcoin hits its maximum number, its max maximum issuance, where it can't issue any more whole Bitcoins, all the things that are valued or denominated in Bitcoin, yeah. all that will happen is we will move that decimal more and more and more. And so effectively, there becomes more and more Bitcoin, not because we're printing whole Bitcoins, but because we are now we're now acting further and further on the right of the decimal. We're we're going deeper and deeper into the smaller and smaller pieces uh, of, of decimals. So um, to stick with the, the hot dog case. Um, so if a hot dog is now worth 0.1 Bitcoin tomorrow, it's worth 0.01 Bitcoin. There's no end to how far that can go. If it's infinite well, on that side. I mean, let me play mind games where what, what if Bitcoin doesn't exist and it's just Satoshi's and there's a max thing of Satoshi's so pretend Bitcoin doesn't exist and it's just a Satoshi. So yeah, instead so of saying we, 21 million, now we have, you know, what, what is it? Uh, 1.2 trillion or 2.1 yeah, yeah, yeah. trillion. So yeah. Bitcoin is just an easier way to kind of put like all your change in one bucket until that change becomes worth till you know, that, that, that change, you can take a handful out and buy you a car. So to totally agree. But, but again, see, all you're doing is you're just playing with where the decimal is, whether we call it sats or bitcoins or, or whatever. We're just playing well, with where, where the, how many decimal places we're talking about. I, right? I, I just still think there's scarcity. It's just in, in, you know, in, instead of saying I have $10, I have 10, I have 10,000 cents. You know, it's take take away the dollar and let's just say all cents. Then we're really not playing with anything. It's always been the same amount. It's just you were just saying it differently. It's the same. It's the same amount. And now that hot dog that was one dollar, I can buy it with. I can. So the nominal price. So, yes, we're saying this. We're, we're just simply calling the numbers a different thing. What a lot of people will say is there's only 23 million Bitcoins. And now at that point, then we've stopped. And now what happens is the value of each Bitcoin continues to increase. So well, it only increases because your dollar is inflating. If a dollar wasn't inflating, your, your Bitcoin wouldn't be increasing. And, and my, my point is it doesn't have to increase because we can then the, the price of something can just simply be a smaller decimal. 
right? Yeah. We don't have to say that, well, because now we've minted all the Bitcoin in the world. Now that yeah. hot dog that was one Bitcoin must be now two Bitcoin because the value of each Bitcoin has changed. Now we can charge more Bitcoins for things. No, what, what will happen is, is we can actually charge less Bitcoin because we have a, a practical infinity on the right side of the decimal point. Or, or does Bitcoin stay the same and the dollar just, and everything else just gets cheaper around it because the dollar gets more inflated? Everything. What if the hot dog and the Bitcoin are the same exact price, but the, the currency you're you're putting in, into it just keeps going down? That could happen as well. But see, in that case, and the only thing that really matters then is the value, not the token that represents the value, right? So yeah. So I, I just question the notion that there's a scarcity of Bitcoin because the left-hand side of the decimal has an upper limit, but the right hand of the decimal has no lower limit, which means there's all there, there's always going to be that valve where we can simply charge a smaller yeah. denomination. Um, so I just yeah. I question scarce. I, I question the notion of the absolute scarcity of, of Bitcoin. But still, I, I can still tell you every year how many there's going to be. When I can't tell you every year how many there's going to be, how many more trillions of dollars are going to pump into the system. That's true. And that is the the main reason for Bitcoin. It's that I can digitally show you every single transaction and not transaction, every single inflation um, percentage of Bitcoin that will happen the next hundred yep. years. Yep. And but I cannot show you how many the next president, how many dollars the next president is going to force the Fed to print. Yep. Yep. I totally, totally agree with that. And the only thing where I think where things get where things can be fudged is then on the value that is represented by that thing called a Bitcoin. And that we can move that along the decimal points forward. Yeah. And, back. and as as we run into scarcity, we run into scarcity. There's simply not enough Bitcoin to go around. Well, that's exactly. great. Then we simply denominate the value of things in smaller units of of Bitcoin because we have. To do that that's to say in in 200 years there's not gonna be enough satoshis to go around because well, you know yeah thing of milk is going to be 400 bucks totally and it's, so, it's not truly infinite because there is a finite number of sats right so it's not it's just gonna, it's going to outlive our great grandkids basically yeah. my my point is that 23 million 21 they're sorry sorry tw i keep saying 23 year that 21 million that's not where that's not where it stops what happens when we hit that is the dynamics sort of shift a little yep. bit in terms of the relationship between value and what it's and, and what token represents it because we have the other side of the, yep. of the decimal to work with. But if you I'll take the decimal out, it's yeah. the same. No, just take the decimal we, out. Totally. We, we run out of, we run out of that space, but yeah. that's just, this is a psychological space, right? Cause it people is. psychologically it look is. at the upper limit and you're like 21 and then it goes deflationary. No, at 21, it doesn't go deflationary. At 21, we start, we 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 start thinking in terms of the other side. Yeah. What's on the other side? So, of the death are you arguing arguing for ultrasound money, Ethereum, which <laughs> with every single day is deflationary right now? Are you arguing that Ethereum is a better store of value than Bitcoin? Oh goodness! <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I mean. Yeah, I would I would say that it is a better store of value because it has utility. I'm sorry, Bitcoin has no utility. Mm -hmm. I mean, it only has the utility that we believe it has, 
right? Yeah. And if we stop believing, then it has no utility. Ethereum has, Ethereum is the world computer, right? Yeah. It has utility. Whether you believe it's the world computer or not, it still is. Yeah. It's like, I, so it's like comparing, would you rather hold gold or oil? I would rather hold oil because yeah. no matter what happens, there are X number of jewels of work that can be performed yeah. by that barrel of oil, whether yeah. you believe in it or not. And that will always do that work, whether you believe in it or not. And so it will always have value, whether you believe in it or not. Yeah. Gold, on the other hand, if you don't like shiny metal objects, is of no value whatsoever. If you don't like jewelry, then you're screwed. You but if you, want to, if you want to put that oil in a machine and create bullets for the apocalypse, then you're good to go. See? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I look at Ethereum and Bitcoin in the same way. I look at Bitcoin as being like gold. It's only a value because people believe it does it because it doesn't do anything. Ethereum yeah. is like oil. It has value because you can say it does something that we can... Maybe we can dis maybe we disagree on the price of that something, but yeah. we don't disagree on the fact that that's a some that's a thing, right? Oil does something regardless of what you believe. So I, I again, with, with the Ethereum, I, I can stake it on. I can buy a, a, like um, Lido staked ETH and earn six percent yield on top of it. See, and that's the thing, right? So there's people who believe in like zero sum games, and, and Bitcoin is a zero sum economics, mm -hmm. right? It only can reflect. It only reflects what you believe can be put into it. Ethereum, on the other hand, as oil, because it does things, it can do things that generate a surplus of value. It can do a job that results in greater value or more energy than the energy it was that was put in to do it in the first place. So Ethereum inherently can return a yield. It can produce a yield because it can produce a surplus of value. Yes. Bitcoin can't produce value so yep. bitcoin can't produce a surplus of value which means it cannot yield anything back to you all it can do is based on its scarcity inflate its own value yep. relative to something else and that's yep. all belief so i'm you know i'm i'm talking myself out of out of bitcoin here shizzy i'm uh i mean i that's a thing too i i i was a big in 2021 i was i was a bitcoin maxi technically i, I play in the shit coins because i'm trying to find financial freedom and I was trying to get those 10, 15 X's, but in the day I was going back to Bitcoin. Yeah. This is taking our conversation all the way back to the first 10 minutes. But yeah. like, like I, and now I'm starting to think and the merge really changed my view. Cause I, I didn't like Ethereum in the beginning because it didn't have a max cap. And I was yeah. like, I'm in, I'm in this because the dollar keeps inflating and they keep just giving, giving money away, giving my tax money away yeah. and creating more of it and inflating what's in my bank account. And that was reason for my, my reason for Bitcoin. And now, I'm starting to see you know there's new there's new something new came along which is ethereum 2.0 which has a built-in staking mechanism with a built-in burning mechanism yeah yeah so yeah. to me maybe ethereum is the better story about store store value well you know aside from the sort of monetary policy implications of, of ethereum versus bitcoin you know if you look at if you look at the past what 20 20 25 years we have had inflation Right. So yeah. people are you know, worried about inflation, inflation, inflation. Inflation doesn't matter if your productivity is larger than inflation. You could have 100 percent inflation. If your productivity is 120 percent inflation, it's 120 percent. It doesn't matter. As long as your productivity outpaces inflation, you're in good shape. So yeah. if you look at if you look at Ethereum, you say, well, it's an inflationary when it was inflationary. You say yeah. well, it's an inflationary coin. Uh huh. But if the surplus of value it produces is higher than the inflation, then it doesn't matter. Bitcoin. Bitcoin is zero. Like it's literally zero because it produces no surplus. Yep. 
it can't, it can never, it can never outperform inflation. And so it's nice that it has an inflationary cap to it, but it can never exceed it. It's a, it's a net zero. It's nothing. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's a shiny rock on the blockchain. Rock. Exactly. Exactly. So Ethereum, I'm not as concerned with the inflation of a token as long as that token can produce value at a surplus greater than its inflation. Well, it's deflating. Every time, every time gas fees are high, it, yeah. there's less, there's less, less Ethereum than there was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Not so, every day, but some days. Yeah. So it's got that going for it too. So the gap between its productivity, the value of the surplus it produces, and the and and its sort of inflationary costs, like that gap keeps getting bigger and bigger. So yeah. I'm talking myself into this. Ethereum is. I, know, I wasn't even trying to go to here, but I mean, I, I used to be, you know, like I, I'm, I might be, I might be going, you know, selling, selling some of my coins later into Ethereum instead of Bitcoin. And it's a lot easier going from, you know, uh, you know, EV chain to EV chain rather than going to the Bitcoin chain that, you know, I really have to go, yeah. to, a, go to a centralized exchange to do so and not use bridges like, like uh, Multiswap and Stargate and paper. Yeah. Things like that. So. Well, and compare current price to all-time high price. Which one has more room to grow? Yeah, it's got a lot more room to grow. If, if yeah, that's especially if it's def if it's deflationary as well, yeah. it could could it go higher than Bitcoin? Could we one day be seeing? I mean, I I know I know people are thinking that like Ethereum could eventually flip flip Bitcoin, but I, I'm thinking it could flip Bitcoin's total price. It See, could Bitcoin at 100. Let's just say Bitcoin's at 250,000. Why not Ethereum at 300,000? There's less. I mean, if yeah. the blockchains are really being used, we're going to yeah. burn so much Ethereum that we could have less than 21 million. See, and this is where you actually want inflation, right? Because if the utility increases, yep. if you have the utility increasing, but the token produce, the tokenization of the utility decreasing, you now end up with a crunch where you don't yeah. have enough money to go around. You now have... You know, so you, you have more demand for the money than you have money supply. And that actually you don't want. That's a dangerous situation. It is. That's, yeah, um, that's deflation. Nixon, deflation is not good for economies. Which is exactly why Nixon had to take the U.S. off the gold standard because yep. there, was a, there was a decoupling. So, yep. so, Ethereum, so as Ethereum has utility and that utility is computation and the limits for the demand on computation are what? Who knows? Like, what is the limit on the demand for computation? I, I can't yep. think of would limit it so it's potentially limitless yeah if, if, so if the utility of a, of a token is limitless and it's currently it, it needs yeah. to inflate in order to keep up with to keep up with the demand for it so anyway. you gotta think too it's only five years old it's a baby my yeah. I, my kids are older than ethereum <laughs> <laughs> my kids are six and eight years old like they're babies you know Dude, i still feel like in the refrigerator that's older than ethereum <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably have some of my fridge or cabinets that's pretty old. So. <laughs> in a desperate moment, yeah, you look at that five-year-old mustard and you're like, ah, you know, maybe I could, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, I'm hungry. Try a little bit. <laughs> try a little bit. <laughs> but, but in a day, like, Ethereum is so young and they're, they're, we're only scratching, I hate this term, but we are only scratching the surface of what layer one blockchains could actually be. This is it. And we haven't even got to layer zero with Adam and Polkadot. And I definitely want to get onto them. Yeah. And because uh, eventually from the next couple shows or whatever, because I think just just buy up the parachains, buy up the layer ones on top of the layer zeros. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. who knows? Well, who knows? I mean, like, that's what I mean about utility, right? Like 
if your utility is computation and that is in and there's a potential infinite demand for it like who knows where that goes like yeah. it's going somewhere that's all you know for sure is it's going yeah. somewhere and that some place is further than where it is now and gosh that's super exciting geez i'm just have i just turned have i just radicalized us both into eth maxis i think we eat maxis now man oh. <laughs> I want to become a Canto, a Canto Maxi, but like we were talking about earlier, everything just breaks on the damn chain. <laughs> I can't even use the marketplace to buy a fucking uh, a Canto. Don't even, yeah, don't even. It's, it's, they've, they've got some. They've got some issues. To but that is only three months old. You ever saying Bitcoin's a baby? This thing is still in diaper. This thing is in its first diaper. Yeah, so. that's that's true. We'll give we'll give it time. We'll give it time. But uh, gosh, we all went off on a on a wild yeah. camp there this is uh it was an amazing episode i really appreciate you joining me with this show and let's let's do it again next week man Jeez, really shit. getting used to us not having a guest maybe we shouldn't even have guests. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really enjoying this here we go we, we carried it hey what we should do is we should put we maybe we should have like an easter egg toward the end of end of a show and whoever yeah. make we'll have it like at a at a random point like toward the end of the show and whoever makes it that far you know, they get something. Maybe it's like, you know, they get a at the end of it or something. Yeah, we'll start doing giveaways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can start minting NFTs new on, on Kanto's uh, NFT I platform. I could. I minted one, I minted one today. So, yeah, it's actually really easy. We can do that. There we go. So, we can start giving away these completely worthless NFTs for the yep. completely worthless job of just sticking with us <laughs> the second hour of our ramp <laughs> Dude, you know? let's do it. I, I'm I'm actually going to work on that. As, as I'm reading the white paper, I'll create awesome. some some DeFi discussion NFTs. And awesome. if you're brave enough to make it to the last uh, last well, 40 minutes, then just drop your Canto address and I'll send you an NFT. 40-ish. <laughs> 40 40-ish. 40 it could be 42. Because we want to keep them with, yeah. we want to keep them with us. So yeah. 42, yeah. 7, we don't know. Yep. But, All right. Right. but Whoever drops their, their, their thing um, right before we end. Oh, you can drop it the last second. The, the, the la you can be the last address. You'll get the NFT. There we go. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> All, right. All right, bots. Get ready. <laughs> we got five people watching. New record. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> nice. Well, how about you have an amazing week, man, and uh, I'll speak to you next week. All right, dude. Hopefully uh, hopefully more, uh, more, more green flags next week. Tuesday, Valentine's Day. I think we are going to, with the new CPI reading, we yeah. are going to have an amazing week. I'm looking forward to it. And if not, I will be crying and looking at our portfolio down 50%. So you, you, <laughs> you think Jay Powell's got uh, got a box of chocolates for all of us, huh? No, I really do. I think he does. I mean, he, he came in he came in so soft for a reason. I mean, he yeah. he, he said disinflation 11 times. Yeah. Like, there's, I, no, there's no way this inflation report is hot. There's no way possible. Yeah. No there's way. A lot and they're reporting it differently. Yeah, there, there's a lot of people with a lot of influence who've been screaming too much, too much, guys, too much. Yep. Um, and that's he, he's got to be hearing that, and he's got to be like, yep. "I've got the room, I've got the room to yep. to, to pull back here." So, um, and they, yeah. they they change. I don't understand why more people aren't talking about that. They change the way it's going to be read. They're going from two years to one year. So, yeah. I, it's funny, you know. See, we're going to go off uh, again here. It's it's funny. There's a lot of details around how CPI is is dealt that a lot of people don't know yeah. about. Like, you know, like years ago, they changed to substitution calculation. Now, for yeah. anybody who doesn't know what substitution calculation is, once upon a time, they used to calculate, you know, they have a basket of goods and that stake, whatever the price of the, bas of the stake in the basket of goods was this last year would be compared to this year. And that would help influence what the, what the CPI was. 
then they started to go to substitution. Substitution is like, oh, well, steak is now so expensive that people are now buying ground beef. So what happens, that bag of goods, they substitute the steak for the ground beef. The ground beef is now, well, ground beef is half the price of steak. So what happens yeah. to CPI? Well, CPI drops, not because the actual price of, of, of the cost of living has dropped, but because now you've, you've degraded the things that you buy in order to afford to buy them. You're buying lower quality goods. And so the reality is, is your life is degraded, even though the CPI hasn't changed. So when they went yep. to substitution, all kinds of squirrely things started happening. And so, yeah, now if they're going to switch up the years, like you have yeah. to be aware of what goes into that CPI. It's not enough to just see the number. You've got to be yeah. aware of what's going into it. And I actually would love to get somebody who is more, more knowledgeable um, than us on, on that and really kind of break that down for us, because I think that would be really educational. You know what? We should drag Joe in more frequently as sort of like our 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 sort of boomer yeah. macro touch point right like he can he can talk to us about you know m&a's and he can talk yep. to us about deals and he can talk to us about how some of these macro considerations like you know interest rates foreign interest rates how the dixie plays into things how yep. um you know how how cpi fit. anyway i'm going on way too yeah. long well real like, quick we, we did have a comment one of our few comments and please everyone please comment we, we i want to i want to i want to really get with the community if, if you can just Put something in there. It'd be cool. But Breezy, I really appreciate it. He said, loving this chat. ETH has the best monetary policy. Completely agree with both views. And then he came up with a question for you. He said, uh, guys, do you think ETH will be labeled a security? And if not, how bullish is that for ETH? Well, I have not. I mean, the SEC can label all. I can pretty much label anything they want as a security. So I have no. I mean, as long as it's. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know. The well, only thing if, I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, well, Hinman came out, and he was a, a he was part of the SEC staff, um, the previous administration's SEC staff, and he has emails that Hinman emails basically calling Ethereum not a security. Okay. So there is actual paid document from someone who, when Ethereum was first born, saying that they are not um, is not a security. So that's the reason why I don't think so. But go ahead. No. So in in addition to that, it would be I think what is going to affect it will be. How many big players in this in in finance need it to not be a security? Yeah. If if they're if they're largely lukewarm or indifferent, then I suspect that the SEC and, and other regular regulators have a strong incentive to just power grab. But if the people they actually work for say we need this to not be a security, then it will absolutely yeah. not be a security. So what does that mean? Utility. Yeah. I go back to utility. I'm going to sound like a broken record. Go back to utility. If yeah. ETH as not a security does stuff for them that it can't do or does worse if it is a security then we're gonna then it won't be a security so i so it goes back utility 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 May, so, can you eth do for them i think eth was a security in the beginning and just like every single proof of stake um coin i think they were all securities in the beginning they all did um, an uh, initial coin offering, which is basically a definition of a security, yeah. but I think it grew into not being a security. I think yeah. when 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 um Ethereum when when uh, Vitalik first got his when he was selling his he was selling securities, but when you bought it and sold it to me, it's no longer a security because we're we're buying it for use case. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, sort of like a secondhand sale. Um, yeah. kind of the, the library thing. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope that is the case because um, I yeah I. It, now, can you imagine if, if ETH was like determined to be money? Like if 
if as far as the IRS is concerned, as far as the SEC, as yep. far as every large governmental institution is concerned, ETH is money. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, th- but th- then it goes back to the law of, um, I think, in the Constitution that you can't have, you can't have another type of money. So, and the one thing that scares me about this type of stuff, proof of stake, is why would I own a bond when I can yeah. own an Ethereum and stake it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to own a bond, and that could be really detrimental to the, the every single economy. Jeez. Yeah, there's some some yeah, there's some big implications. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, in, no, interesting, interesting question. I, I I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. what the answer is. Um, but um, yeah. All right, so we're gonna try to end this again. We'll <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> All right, two next sir. week for another epic. Yes, sir. Have an amazing week, buddy. All right, cheers, sir. See ya. See you, man.